Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to episode four. Cannot believe it's been almost a month already since I've started this. Um, this week, I'm super excited because I got my good buddy Mark here in the studio with me. Uh, Mark, you want to say what's up? Hey guys, it's Mark. Happy to be here. Excited about this episode and uh, being here with my good buddy, Ro. All right, so we got a um, we got a wide range of topics today. Um, you know, I feel like we have to start off with sports. Like, what a wild weekend it's been in the NFL. Um, Honestly, it's been a wild two weeks. I mean, we had that crazy week last week where the um, Ravens managed to escape unscathed. But um, this week, the upsets and the crazy games continued. We um, just watched the Lions and the Steelers end in a tie. You know, the Washington football team just upset the Bucks. Tom Brady. You know, like I was saying on Facebook earlier this this week, sports is wild. You know, it um, kind of puts the Ravens' loss in perspective and makes it sting a little less. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. And I think the one thing that um, that taking a look into sports in general, I mean, you know, you always like to see upsets. You like to see underdogs. But uh, coming from just a um, perspective from a Ravens fan, um, this loss in general, yes, it, it does sting um, a little less. But um, I don't know. I feel like a tie is worse than a loss. I mean, it definitely helps us out in the division because now we're still at the top. You know, um, I think the Steelers are now 5-3-1. and one. Um, The Ravens are 6-3. and three. But before we get into the playoff picture as a whole, um, like, let's talk about what happened in that game. Because, you know, that was a weird game. Um, coming off a short week, not much rest. I don't think they really did any, you know, heavy practices. You know, what was your kind of take on, on what happened on Thursday? Yeah, I, I, I do think that they were not firing on all cylinders. They did come out uh, a very tired team. Um, I don't. I think that when it comes down to it, injuries do end up coming to haunt, haunt you in the end. Uh, I feel like the Ravens are feeling that. They've adjusted. They have adapted. But ultimately, that depth of especially substituting um, uh, on, on the defense and then even on the offensive front, um, it, it definitely lingers, uh, especially later in the game, but especially on a short week. Yeah. And that's a good point. Um, you know, we've seen the defense struggle against, um, Cincinnati against, um, who did we play last week? The, the Vikings, but we haven't quite seen the offense struggle the way it did on Thursday night. So that kind of brings up the question. And I was having this discussion with, um, one of my buddies this past week, and he brought up a good point, and I want to throw this question to you. But like, do you think Lamar has outgrown Greg Roman? <laughs> I mean, I think that we have always gone to pointing fingers to the offensive coordinator when our offensive doesn't fire. Um, in Lamar's case, has he outgrown um, himself? Yes, I think that just in general, he's become a much, much better player um overall passer um runner um i think that he is um he is uh hindered in certain aspects uh, especially with the receiving core being a very young one but also um is greg Roman not uh conforming to lamar's strength which right, right now um, he's showing that he wants to be that passer first mm -hmm. than the runner. Yeah, and I think um, the way I was kind of thinking about it is that, you know, Greg Roman, he has a track record. You know, he's been in, in San Francisco, obviously took the, um, the Niners with Colin Kaepernick all the way to the Super Bowl, right? And I think he was with Buffalo as well. 
Yeah. And so he has a track record for, you know, being very good at scheming up the run game. And he's one of the most um, innovative play callers when it comes to the run game, I think, in the NFL. But honestly, like, you know, watching that game, and I, I don't know much about the X's and O's of football, but even I could recognize, I was like, man, they're running the same 12 plays every time. I'm like, that's yeah. pretty vanilla passing game, you know. And I just feel like, you know, Lamar is kind of growing to the point where he, like, we, he is, we've watched him evolve as a passer this season, right? Like, he's had a 400-yard game, 300-yard games. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Greg Roman has kind of evolved with him. You know, like, he needs to realize that, hey, maybe let's, you know, get out of the high school, college offense and, you know, start calling some more uh, robust uh, passing plays. Yeah, and you bring up a great point. I mean, it works until it doesn't. And the Ravens offense for the last few years has been, uh, very one-dimensional, and I've always been afraid of that. Defensively, uh, we uh, we grow defensive linemen like no other. Um, I, I always, uh, for the past year and a half, I'd say, um, I've had concerns about that. Um, but overall, um, the defense was there. Barring those injuries, we, ha- we always had a pretty good uh, defense coming in. But the one-dimensional offense – um, and not addressing those needs in the off seasons really concerned me. Yeah, and that's one of the things where, you know, at the trade deadline, we sort of stood pat. We didn't really add any offensive or defensive pieces. But honestly, with the guys that we have injured, I feel like maybe that was the best move. Just maybe wait for some guys to get healthy. And, you know, we know what, what this offense can be and should be when Dobbins and Gus come back. So that's going to be something to look for next season. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I looked at on Thursday night and... Uh, that loss obviously hurt, but I, I kind of switched gears and was like, imagine this team, and I know a lot of teams deal with injuries. It's it's part of the game, but imagine what this team would be if we had half of those guys or all of them. Are we looking at being close to an undefeated team? That's It's always that shoulda, coulda, woulda, what if type of situation, but I don't know. I mean, I think that we have high hopes moving forward um, as long as we uh, conform to what the NFL is um, doing around our offense and what we're doing. Because running can only go so far. There's another aspect to it. So, And um, actually, that's a good segue into the MVP discussion because um, one of the things that I liked that um, I think it was Mina Kimes for one of them, uh, on ESPN. She's one of the analysts on ESPN. And I think Ryan Clark also brought this up was that one of the things they look at, at the M- in the MVP race is that you look at guys like Tom Brady and Dak Prescott and they have like, you know, a boatload of offensive talent around them. And what we've seen with Lamar is if he doesn't play excellent, we're not even talking average, good. If he doesn't play excellent, the Ravens don't win. And the Ravens are six and three. So, you know, I think that says like a whole bunch about his talent. Um, but, you know, talking about the MVP race, who would you have at this point in the season as your, like, you know, top three, top five guys in the MVP discussion? Oh, my goodness. Uh, that's that's a tough call because it's still so early in the year. And, like, um, in that aspect, yeah, I've heard different analysts talk about um, Lamar and being so um, – valuable and I think that's the key word obviously in most valuable player MVP is that he has been so valuable to the Ravens offense right. in those wins like you take him out and what do you yeah versus you take exactly or- I think Dan Orlovsky talks about it a lot um, but it's I really do think it's a little too early to tell 
Um, but from a non-Baltimore standpoint, I'd like to I'd like to take a look at Aaron Rodgers and see how he's going to finish the end of this year. But the one thing that impresses me most about him and how he relates to Lamar is the number of options that he has out there in Green Bay. He has one hell of a wide receiver in Devontae Adams, but um, other than that's that. That's about it. Yeah, that's <laughs> about the, it. Yeah, the running game, of yeah, course. But exactly. That's, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, and that's I would agree with that. So I'll, I'll start with my top. I would say, you know, before this week, it was kind of neck and neck with Lamar and I, and, and I would say Tom Brady were the two that I had up there. Um, just because, and I would give, I would have given Lamar the slight edge, and maybe I'm a little bit biased, of course, but if you take Tom Brady out of that offense, you still have like Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, you have Fournette who's running into form, Mike Evans, and you know, Lamar, we have a, we've had a decent receiving core this year, but you know, this team is not the same without Lamar. Um, so I would have, and then Tom Brady just lost today to the Bucks, so I feel like that puts them back even. Um, so I, I know my top would be like, you gotta, you gotta throw Aaron Rodgers in there. You gotta throw Tom Brady, Lamar. Um, and I would, I would, I would add probably Josh Allen and Dak Prescott just around that, that top five. Um, I would say Kyler Murray wasn't it, but he's missed two games now. So it's kind of dropped him out of the discussion. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that. And it's crazy because each week, you know, Lamar, his, um, his stock in, in the MVP race considerably goes down and I don't even think he was on the level of seriousness going into Thursday night he's he's sort of the always a step behind I don't think he was in the top three maybe he was in the top five but then you take a guy like Tom Brady who was the front runner of the MVP race leading up to this week and he loses to the Washington football team so um, I don't know how that hurts or affects his uh, stock but it's crazy how the NFL on a weekly basis changes their perspective, their um, sort of their bias towards either teams or players. Uh, take Cincinnati two weeks ago. We heard them go into the Super Bowl mm-hmm. because they beat the yeah. Ravens. Then they lost, what, two in a row? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Including one to Mike White and the Jets. So <laughs> Exactly. That one hurts. Ooh, Mike White. <laughs> Mike White. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, you know, honestly, that's, that's so true. It, it, it literally goes up and down every week. Um, and you know, especially with Lamar, it's like every time he loses, it's kind of like, oh, well, can he throw the ball? But you know, Tom Brady loses, and and by the way, I, I should correct myself from earlier. I said he lost to the Bucks. He he lost to the Washington Football Team. But you know, but he loses a game like that to a two-win team as well, and no one's doubting his passing abilities. You know, he's he's the goat. That's not going to change because he lost to the football team. Um, but Lamar's throwing ability is constantly um, in in doubt. But uh, anyway, um, let's go to the playoff picture. All right, so taking a look at the uh, playoff picture, let's start with the NFC first since um, that is the conference where we are not as familiar with. Well, I'm not as familiar with. I can't speak for you, Mark. Um, but uh, anyway, so if the uh, – and this is pretty updated actually like to the, to the minute almost. So if the season ended today, um, your top seven in the NFC would be you got the Cardinals as a number one seed at eight and one. The Cowboys at seven and two would be number two. The Packers would slide in at number three, seven and two. They're first in the NFC North. The Bucks, despite falling to the football team today, would still be six and three. The Rams would be would be number five. You know, as good as they've been, um, they're still only second in the NFC West. Um, 
crazy. Uh, number six uh, would be the Saints at five and four. And number seven would be the Carolina Panthers sneaking in at number seven. Um, if, if it ended right now. On the bubble, you have like the Falcons, the Vikings, the Seahawks. The Niners are all still in there with a chance. And then let's go to the AFC. So we have number one at the uh, has the Tennessee Titans at eight and two. Uh, we have then the Bills at six and three, winning today. Uh, the Ravens at six and three as well, losing uh, Thursday night, as we discussed earlier. The Los Angeles Chargers, who are trending downward, um, they are at a five and three at the fourth seed. Uh, then we have Raiders and Steelers, uh, five and six, uh, both at five and three. And then the Steelers with that tie, that's going to become interesting mm-hmm. down the road to see if that's going to impact uh, their projections. And then uh, and then this, uh, the Patriots at seven, <laughs> Patriots, which is man. really, really. That's, that's scary, man. That's, they let them back in. That's Belichick for you there, yeah. right? You know, um, so and then then you have some on the bubble teams. You have uh, the Bengals, you have the Chiefs and the Broncos. Um, I mean, just looking at this this playoff Colts view, the Colts. Five, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I like the Colts and I like where they're where they're they're, trending, up, they're yeah. trending upward. Um, I don't know uh, on, as far as the NFC side. I think it's pretty solidified the top four. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you get down to like the Rams, I think the Rams are are trend, trending upwards. Um, they're they're a very very balanced team, but then when you get to that six and seven, six and seven seed of of the Saints and the and the Carolina Panthers, you could let a couple teams in, such as the Vikings. We played the Vikings um, last week, and I was I was very surprised um, by their record because they have a very high powered offense. So when you think about that, then you you have to, you know, yeah, go. Cook is a yeah, but the then guy. you go to their defense and you're like, man, they they've been injured, and Hella that's sucks. that's Hella that's sucks. why they they are where the where their record stands. So um, Seahawks always um, always come into the mix. Um, Russell Wilson is Mister Playoff. Um, I feel like he always has, you know, when healthy, they have a really good chance in getting in. I do see the Seahawks eventually. Uh, you think I they think, sneak in? I think they sneak in. I think the Panthers are out. Uh, despite mm. Cam's return, I think that they just I – don't, I don't think that they have the depth. And yeah. That's going to be one to watch is, is the Panthers. Like, can they hold on to that seventh seed? Or is Atlanta or, or Seattle or, or Minneapolis, um, Minnesota, sorry, are they going to sneak in there? But, dude, how scary are the Patriots, though, at number seven? I mean – you know, <laughs> you let them back in there. And I think, honestly, over time, Belichick is proving that, you know, okay, maybe it was equally both. Like, maybe he is actually a pretty good coach. I mean, Mac Jones has has looked better and better, and that team has looked scarier and scarier every single week. I mean, they just beat the brakes off a good Browns team, decent Browns team, 45-7, yeah. to 7, you know, made them look like a, you know, like a JV team. Yeah. Um, but you know how, how scary are the Patriots there at number seven? Yeah, no, forty-five to seven win in the NFL in general is very impressive, unless you're playing like the Jets or the Jaguars. <laughs> but even so, like the Bengals would have loved a forty-five to seven win in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Ravens would have loved it too. Um, you know, so any given week, any play, any team can uh, can show up. But uh, with the Patriots, wow, uh, Belichick. He is a mad scientist. Uh, you know, he is a mastermind of football. Um, as 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 hard as it is for me to say it, he <laughs> yeah. is 
um, one of the, if not the best coaches of all time. Um, and his willingness um, to adapt to what he's given. So under the circumstances of losing um, what you've been used to of the regime of, of uh, Tom Brady, mm-hmm. um, you're so uh, used to that. And then coming in and being at that, that I guess, point where you're contemplating calling it quits. You've you know won so many X number of Super Bowls, and then you have this rookie quarterback that you take under as a project. And he is – I really am impressed with Mac Jones, but more so I'm impressed with how Belichick has been able to utilize his strengths. And that's always been the key with – um, with Belichick, even when Tom Brady was hurt, he always utilizes the strength of backup quarterbacks, whether it be mm-hmm. was Jacoby Brissett at the time, yeah, or if it Garoppolo, was Garoppolo, he Matt Castle, oh, Matt Castle. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Matt Castle went 11 and five that year when uh, Brady was exactly. Out. So he, yeah. yeah, so he, he, he conforms to their strengths. So, um, from an overall team perspective, I think their defense, they, uh, they, uh, picked up Judon in the off season. They've always had a very uh, good defensive uh, team, I'd, I'd say. But then offensive, I I do have concerns down the road. Uh, can they hang with and put up the numbers against stronger teams mm, yeah. um, when it matters? And it always comes down to um, the uh, the experience Expose aspect. Say experience. Yeah. So you have a rookie quarterback. How is he going to handle that pressure? What do, what do you think about that? Yeah, I was I was just thinking about that with um, experience. Um, like Mac Jones has looked good in you know in those regular season games, um, and you know he you know he has the coaching staff and the support around him. They've gotten um, they went out and got some talent on the defensive and off- offensive side in the off season, um, and he looks he looks poised, man. But the thing is, playoffs are a different animal, and I. I you know, I want to see first how he performs under playoff pressure before we can, you know, pass that judgment. And, um, you know, that's something that I've really been um, hard on Lamar about. Like, for me, the, the regular season argument with Lamar is over. We know he can play in the regular season. We know that, you know, he has one of the best win percentages right now um, in football. But how is he going to stack up when it comes to the playoffs? And, you know, that's something where I've judged him harshly. And, you know... With his talent level, I think that's fair. And the same thing I'm looking at with Mac Jones is like, you know, he hasn't obviously he hasn't played a playoff game yet, but you know, how is he going to respond? You know, we've said like I've said that he's looked scarily, eerily like Brady, you know, in the pocket there, the way he commands that offense. But you know, how is he going to stack up to Brady in the off season? Or, I mean, sorry, in the postseason. So um, that's going to be interesting. And um, before we move off of football, there's one team that we have not even talked about which is kind of like we kind of glossed over them, which is crazy because like last year and for the last three years, they've been so dominant in the AFC. And uh, I think you know who I'm talking about here. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. What, what's up with that, man? Like what, uh, what's going on there? I, I really don't I – th- I think it does boil down to uh, the defense. They always say when defense wins championships. Mm. They have a lot of holes on that defense. Um, I think Mahomes is having uh, – I guess a down year. Um, I'd still say that he's going. They're going to sneak into the playoffs. They're going to be a, a tough team to beat. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they get to the AFC Championship. But um, I really don't. I don't know what what has come um, from that team. Um, their record's five and four, so they're on the plus side. 
but as far as um, some of those wins, yeah, they haven't really beaten anybody. No, their win last week against the Green Bay Packers wasn't it wasn't in a landslide. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You take into these variables into the situation, and they really haven't outperformed their their opponent. They beat the Giants barely, um, and they beat Jordan Love barely. <laughs> exactly. So, um, I I don't know what to make of this team. Um, I I think that 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 offense is always such a high-powered, scary offense. But when it comes to the defensive side, um, it's it's suspect. Yeah, and I think we all know about the defensive struggles. And um, I'm going to focus more on the offense a little bit. Like, I think a good um, a good way of looking at it is is um, with Patrick Mahomes taking those – taking what the defense gives you. I know it's cliche and a lot of people um, talk about that. But I think Patrick Mahomes has been so used to – having that home run ball go his way the last uh, few seasons that now he's having a hard time, you know, with discipline and being able to just, you know, take those little five yards, those little seven yards that defense is giving you instead of trying to hit Tyreek Hill on a 40-yard 40 yard, 40 downfield every single time. Um, and the way I look at it is that, you know, I'm a golfer. We're both golfers. We'll talk about that later on. But, um, look, golf is a game of limiting your mistakes. And... Patrick Mahomes, he still he still has the offensive output with touchdowns. He still has like twenty plus TDs yeah. on the year, which is impressive. Yeah. But he has ten picks, and that's that's to this point. He hasn't played yet tonight. So with golf, it's good if you make a lot of birdies, but if you make a ton of bogeys too, that's going to even out your score. And that's what Mahomes is doing. He's making a lot, he's making the birdies, making the touchdowns. He's putting it. He's you know he has that offensive output, but um, he's making too many bogeys. He's throwing too many picks. He's turned the ball over way too many times. Um, I think the Chiefs lead in turnovers in the, what the entire NFL. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah, no, they're, they're up. They're either one or two. Um, and when you think about a team like that to be leading the league in turnovers, you know, teams know that hey, if we make them, if we force them to, you know, take the little plays here and there, they they're not disciplined enough to do that, and eventually they're going to make a mistake. And they've been proven right, um, game after game. So. It's going to be interesting to see if the Chiefs can bounce back from you know the funk that they've been in this season. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about baseball a little bit. All right. So uh, Mark, I feel this is like more of your domain, so I'll let you uh, take it away with um, you know the the postseason, the Braves winning the World Series, and uh, some of the awards that the O's players got or didn't get. No, uh, this this playoff was um, was something that I. I could see coming from the Braves. Um, shout out to the Braves for the World Series. They won it in a an amazing fashion. Um, I really do think that they started this um, a, a few years back, um, especially when uh, Albies and Acuna were coming into the mix. Um, they paid, uh, what was it, Acuna really early. So they, they see the talent that they have and they make sure that they don't lose it. Um, so I think that they had, can learn from that, right? yeah, the Orioles can learn from that. And I think that, um, I think that they built this team up, uh, the pitching staff, uh, was, was, was something that they, uh, that they built up. Um, I do think that they, they did rebuild in, in a very quick manner, um, considering that they haven't been the Braves, uh, that they used to be back in, you know, the yeah. mid nineties. Yeah, that, that was the had, team. Like, I mean, that was, Cat, Andrew Jones, yeah. And, you know, 
those guys chipper you had smoltz and that pitching staff it was great yeah gavin maddox that was the that was like the dream team i'm surprised they didn't win more um but anyway um sort of going into yeah the orioles could learn from this and i think that they're in that process or in the midst of uh figuring that out can they be that team can they be that rebuild team like the braves have shown the clearly the astros have have shown um they have you know the personnel um the gm in in um you know to that has the blueprints to figure it out now it's now it's put up or shut up type of time uh to figure this out um i do think that we um have a core foundation but i do think that there are a few holes um at least for the next few years to figure out but exciting things from mullins um and mount castle getting the accolades that they got um, we just saw that Mullins was um, silver slugger. He had his 30-30. Um, he had a great year, and he didn't, just, he didn't just stumble into it. He had a very down year um, last year on that short season. Um, he, didn't, he didn't live up to his expectations. Um, so seeing him come out and flourish, um, it was really, really hopeful to see. Um, then you see a guy like Ryan Mountcastle and, and again, this whole team is very young, but, um, for, uh, you know, when was the last time an Oriole was considered for rookie of the year? I I don't know. Exactly. (laughs) But when was then, then, uh, yeah, exactly. So it's like when, then what's the next, uh, the next scenario is when was the last time we've been so hyped up about a rookie in Baltimore? And that was Manny Machado, and we let him slip away. So, it's it's very hopeful um, that we have such a you know a good core team. Unfortunately, Ryan Ryan Mountcastle did not win the Rookie of the Year. Um, yeah, what and, was up with that? Why, yeah, why do you think he wasn't you know even in consideration? For oh the my goodness! Uh, I, I the numbers were there. Um, let, let all rookies in home runs. Yeah, second in RBI. Was his average there too? His average was uh, average wasn't there. Average was like two, like two fifty. He was just so consistent all year. I I don't know. I I I just felt like ultimately it came down to the Orioles not being a household name mm-hmm. within the sports uh, baseball market. Um, so why give it to an Orioles player if he's yeah. not winning it hands down or or you know? So I, for personal reasons i do think that the hype of just the orioles in general why give it to the worst team in in baseball um but i think with ryan and we can i guess segment that into the the uh the talk about mental health later on but i feel like you know you asked me a question is like do you think that he's going to come out with uh with sort of this chip on his shoulder that he was just that close Uh, um and and i would cue in that that you're not that guy i'm you're not that <laughs> you're guy, not that guy pal. pal you know so i so think is, is mount castle not that guy i don't think ryan mount castle's <laughs> that guy i think he realized that he was that close but um i do think that he he projects a lot of talent um and eventually i think this this team is going to um build off of that yeah i definitely agree with that you know the orioles have a lot to um to build off of going into the future but uh, let's transition a little bit and talk about how we met, because we've been talking for a while now, and no one knows how we met. So let's talk about that. So it was uh, back in 2007. I was 17. And like I said before, um, I'm a golfer. Mark's a golfer. I started golfing when I was about 16, 
15, 16. So at that point, I'd been golfing for about a year and a half. And um, we actually met at a junior tournament. We played against each other. Um, this was back at, you know, good old Clifton Park in Baltimore City. And, um, you know, I was out there at 17 trying to compete. Uh, Mark was about 14, I think. Um, and uh, you want to you wanna take it from there? Yeah, no, I think that uh, it was right before high school, at least for me. Um, and I was just really getting serious about golf. I had started when I was about 10. So, um, you know, we had our local guys, um, like, like our local team, um, and we had this um, stroke play tournament each year at Clifton. And, uh, and it was in July, it was like the heat of the summer. So it always was like, no joke, it was 100 degrees or more. And it could have been like 80 the, the day prior to but it was that Clifton Park Junior golf tournament. Yeah, that that ha- day, it was but so Rohan being from the islands literally had the biggest advantage because this heat (laughs) was nothing to him but like we're on the 17th hole and like I think his family walked the majority of the holes with us they caught up with us on the 17th hole and like I don't know these people weren't sweating they this was like this was great and I, I remember just dragging the bag and just waiting for this this tournament to be over with but nonetheless Rohan was one of those guys that um, was phenomenal at such a young age um, versus us where we were sort of trying to figure things out. But his talent was always there physically. It was always there. Um, And back in the day, you just that's what you went out with. You just went out with raw talent. So kind of like uh, admired that. So but, uh, you know, we we didn't know each other prior to this tournament. And all of a sudden, this guy just comes out and was shooting legit low seventies as as a junior golfer, um, and it was it was it was great. So you always you know hey like, let's uh, let's play some more rounds together. You always wanted to get better from the people that you played with. So, but uh, that was uh, that was definitely the memory that I learned uh, or have of Rohan from back when we were you know you know basically little um and then you know we obviously stayed in touch since so uh it's it's been great yeah it's been a pretty cool story and i will i will say um you know it's funny about when you talk about my golf game and you know like that day i think i shot a 75 and it was interesting because back in the day yes i could shoot the low scores but i could still shoot in the you know 95 100 range and i would say what's changed over the years is not so much the talent level physically, but more the mental aspect of the game. I think one of the things, like 2020, I would say, was my best season, most consistent season. And the only thing that changed was my mental ga- my mental approach to the game. And when I was a junior, I had, you know, I still do sometimes have that fiery temper. And so once things started going south, you'd be like, oh, well, fuck this. I'm going, you know, it's like, whatever, I'm packing it in. But, you know, now getting more mature, sort of growing into adulthood, you know, the mental aspect has definitely, or my mental approach to the game has definitely changed. That's been a um, savior for me. You know, it used to be a roadblock, but now it's, you know, trending towards being a strength. In terms of Mark, um, what I remember is just he was very um, laid back, just chill, uh, which I think for me, that's a personality type that I vibe with the best. It's probably like that chill, laid back personality. Um, You know, nothing really bothered him. And I think I kind of like fed off that really well. 
and yeah, like you said, we just kind of stayed in touch. I think we exchanged numbers or Facebook or whatever it was back in the day. MySpace. Uh, my <laughs> yeah, shoot. Yeah, I'm sorry, MySpace. Shout out Tom. Yeah, Tom's traveling the world now. I don't know if you knew that. He's like on Instagram posting pictures now. But, but anyway, so we kept in touch over the years. And, um, you know, now we've become good friends. You know, I was at his wedding a month ago. And um, congratulations, by the way. Um, that was beautiful. So that's one of the things I love about golf. It, it really just brings people together like that. You know, you can start off around complete strangers and then four hours later, you're best friends, you know. And for us, that was literally what happened. You know, he's one of my best friends. It's, it's, it's been great. Um, but, yeah, for me, I would say one of the strengths, Mark, of your golf game is definitely your iron play, something that I've always admired. I'm like, you know, because you're like, oh, I wish I could putt like you or hit the driver like you. I was like, well, I, I wish I could hit my irons like you do. It's like always flush, consistent. Um, where's your game at now, and what are some of your goals for, you know, yeah. next season? I saw this past year where I could be, and if I took just a, an ounce of seriousness in practicing and getting better, I'd say that my iron play has been always been there. My my putting was crazy good this year for some reason. I don't know where that came from, but driver and uh, I think I think some of my pitching was, uh, you know, hundred yards in was it could it could be worked on. I think the driver really is my focus coming into. Uh, the 2022 season and that's where I am going to um, sort of take my game to the next level see where I am at this point in my life I think um, mentally uh, I was not the golfer um, that I wanted to be because I always just always just relied on the physical aspect you always think that the physical will get you to where you need to be but with golf that's definitely not the case and uh, I think right now with where I am, good headspace, and um, I'd, I'd like to see where my golf game is. And uh, and the one thing that, yeah, I, I, Rohan said I'm laid back, but um, there, are ten, the, there, there are times on the golf course where uh, we kind of fire each other up um, and there's that internal uh, competition, which, um, you know, we always like. So. Yeah, and they, they know I mentioned like on the first episode – how competitive I am and golf is my outlet now you know like before it used to be everything and it was just unfiltered and just raw and you know now I save my my competitive spirit for the golf course and that's really helped me out but um yeah for in terms of you know my goals for next season I would say it's just like you know little improvements in each area with driving trying to keep the ball in play more often you know because driving it out of play can lead to those double bogeys on the scorecard we want to cut down on those just being smart off the tee really like realizing when you can you know go bombs away on driver, realizing when you have to like gear back to three wood or iron off the tee um, instead of trying to fit driver onto holes that don't, that where you can't fit a driver. And then also my wedges, um, like, you know, my coach was saying, like, you got to be flagging those like shots from 120 and you got to be hitting those, you know, within 15, 20 feet at least each time. And then maybe I would say reducing my putts per round by about one, two putts per, you know, get it down to like, 29 30 instead of like 32 33 would be um would be good so we'll see you know i'm excited about next season i, I know we both are and um there's some courses that we want to get out and play that we haven't tried yet so yeah it should be fun it's funny we've been talking sports for so long that uh someone listening for the first time might, might not be able to tell that this is actually a mental health podcast because <laughs> we've been talking sports the entire time but i do want to end things by talking about you know both of our relationship with mental health um you know, I can share a little bit, obviously, you know, from the first two or three episodes, they know a lot about me 
versus not much about you. But um, what's your relationship with mental health like? You know, I'll, I'll throw that question out to you. So I think awareness is the best answer that I can provide for you here is that I've been I've become more aware of the different aspects of mental health you know, working in the clinical industry, I've become more educated. And I think that's the key um, aspect to an individual self-awareness is the education aspect of the different types of uh, things that people go through. Um, I do have, uh, you know, my my anxieties, uh, which I do cope with in, um, in different ways. But I know that if, if and when, because it, it's inevitable, these things exist. They might not exist for you right now, but they could potentially, but then you know what, when it's coming. And I think the one thing that Rohan had uh, covered in at least in his first episode was that he wasn't picking up on the traits of what he was going through. He wasn't picking up on the signs. So, And maybe if, if he was educated or was aware of those things prior to, it might have helped. But at the same time, those things like just happen and they come up and you don't realize it. But um, there's more awareness out in the sports world. You have um, athletes who are uh, being more conscious of, you know, their own mental health and taking a step back from their profession. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, athletes are realizing now that their mental health matters, you know, more than or I want to say it matters more, but. It's something that they're taking more seriously. Let's put it that way. You know, you're like you have Naomi Osaka or Simone Biles or you know Hayden Hurst who played for the Ravens. Like, Calvin Ridley. Um, Cal- oh yeah, Calvin Ridley. Forgot about that one. Um, you know, these are all people who have come out and been open and spoken about it. And I think that only helps to raise awareness. Um, and it's something that you know I've, uh, you know, again, like I don't enjoy seeing anyone go through that, of course. But it's good that they're able to be open about it and talk about it because I think talking about it only helps to remove more and more of that stigma, which is, you know, why I wanted to do this podcast in the first place is to just get that information out there and, you know, make it something that we talk about in conversation more um, and just remove that stigma from it. But um, back to what you were saying, Mark, you said that working in that industry helped raise your awareness of mental health and helped you, um, you know, to realize that there's, there's several things that people go through and so what are some of the things that you do to maintain your mental health just from like a day-to-day basis? Like what are some coping mechanisms that you have and, you know, things like that? So um, I think the one thing I do rely on my faith, um, faith in God. I'm not one of those people who goes to church often or really at all. So it's not in that aspect that I'm, you know, holy, holy or anything like that. But I think that when and anybody can focus and you don't need a religion to do this is that if you have something that you can focus on or rely on being the outlet to sort of just vent those um those concerns that you have so for instance if you know i'll have certain worries or anxieties and most of the time they're out of my control so what i try to do is you know i try to put it 100 percent with the lord i don't um, necessarily absorb 100% of my worries and anxieties. I try to sort of just let them be. I know that there's a greater God that, you know, will take them from me. So I'm able to, uh, to not worry about them, especially in the uncontrollable situation. But I think it's that, that outlet, if you can rely on some, something or somebody, 
greater than yourself for things that are uncontrollable. I think that's, um, that's where I, um, am able to sort of have a positive mindset because ultimately the things that you can't control, you can't control. So I, I do try to fall back on my faith and then also the loved ones around me. I, I do have a really good core of, um, I think that support is huge. So if you need to find like that, if you have a strong family or if you have, you know, strong friends, luckily I have, uh, both, but also there are support groups out there and I've become aware of that, uh, within my profession and, um, knowing that there are support groups out there as well that have people who, um, are very much similar to you. Things that I wouldn't think of, you know, even if you asked me three years ago, what's a support group? I would have no, no idea about, but I see such an advantage of that. And, uh, and then the people who are running the, um, support groups, uh, they're professional and the professionals in this career are uh, something to definitely not take, uh, lightly as well. They're, they're trained and they're, uh, they're really helpful. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you mentioned, you know, your faith and your relationship with God, because, uh, that's something that, you know, I was talking with maybe about a month or two months ago with a high school classmate, um, you know, a good friend of mine. And, um, she's still, uh, you know, fairly religious, I would say. I'm not as much anymore. And we were talking about, you know, the difference between, you know, when you're raised religious and you're raised to have a strong relationship with God and, you know, you put your worries and your, and your cares and, you know, you put, them, you put them on God, right? And when you have that relationship with, with God, it's definitely beneficial when you have things that you feel are out of your control that you can't handle. You have this higher power that you can go to and, you know, sort of relieve yourself of those stressors and things like that. Um, for me, I don't have that as much anymore. And, um, you know, she was making the point that sometimes when you go from, you know, from being raised in the church to sort of trying to figure things out on your own, it can be really hard because all of a sudden you don't have that support that you had growing up. You don't have that higher power that you can go to all the time with your, with your worries. And so, um, one of the things that I've had to navigate, you know, being an adult and being older is, um, where do, you know, where do I go with those, with those, um, concerns, with those stressors? Um, when I was going through tough times with depression back in college, um, those were also times where I was really struggling with my faith. And so I couldn't really just go to God because I didn't really, um, frankly, I didn't really believe that that was the best option for me at that time. And so that's, that's been an interesting field to navigate over the years is to find different supports for yourself um, outside of religion. So if you're someone who, whose faith, I guess, isn't strong or if you are not in the church like you used to be. So it's very interesting to hear you talk about your relationship with God and how that's benefited you. Yeah, but that, you know, that's, that's been really cool to, to see as well and witness in you over the years. Any other things like maybe exercise or um, do you pay attention to how much sleep you get, things yes, like that? Or, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I, 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 I can attest to uh, making sure that I am sleeping. I think that's the one of the most important things is to obviously have a, a regimen or just a routine. But um, I even think that, you know, a lot of people in college or high, high school, college, you know, they would um, pull all nighters. I never pulled all nighters. I always made sure that I closed the books or anything, at least by midnight. Um, and I still that do that to the to this day. So I do think that, um, you know, a healthy diet, healthy balance of exercise, um, and 
most definitely sleep, um, especially sleep being that outlet of being able to just turn it all off um, and not have those fears, things, those anxieties, those worries, or whatever you're going through. I think that sleep is just one of those things that you can sort of hit the reset button on and uh, start fresh the next day. Yeah, and you know, you guys heard me talk about how important sleep is in the first episode and the second episode, actually. Uh, that's one of the things that I took for granted. You know, I've never been a great sleeper, and it's one of the things that I have been paying more and more attention to over the years is the amount of sleep that I get. I'm, you know, I'm still not a great sleeper, but at least I'm aware of it now and I'm paying attention to it. And I'm trying to come up with solutions on how to become a better sleeper. So if you've got any for me, you know, definitely yeah, no, <laughs> toss them my way. No, no, you're, you're 100% right. And I'm, I'm not a very good sleeper at all myself. I'm a very light sleeper. But also just to get to uh, sleep, just to get to sleep. Um, I actually have to bore myself and, you know, I do watch, I, I don't watch, I just listen to TV, but, um, I do, I heard in your, uh, in your episodes, um, previously is that, uh, turning off the electronics. Um, I do try to turn off the electronics by at least, uh, I'd say two hours to about an hour or two prior to falling asleep. I, I don't know if it's like a, a mental or psyche thing that like is with, See, each person yeah like maybe 30 minutes yeah so i, I don't i don't know it, it is so it's it, it varies from person to person so it really could be different um and whatever you you find um that can help you get to that sleep i mean some people i know can literally just lay down close their eyes and boom they're out in two minutes <laughs> I'm so jealous i am like, I, I i'm not like that and um you know i it takes me i'd say on average at least a half hour to an hour just to fall asleep uh, stay asleep is another thing. Can I stay asleep? It depends. Um, but yeah, um, I think that sleep is one of the most important things um, that you can um, that you can you sort of measure yourself off of uh, the for the next, uh, I guess, the next day of the week, how you set yourself up. Um, it's Sunday. So I know that, you know, we have a uh, you know, long week ahead, work week ahead. Uh, Monday through Friday. So the next chance of actually getting really, you know, good quality sleep uh, without having to, you know, do anything is next weekend. So I always take, uh, make sure that at least the start of the week is started off with some good rest, uh, just so you're set up just in case you have things in between that you can't get rest for. So um, at least you start your week off well. So to sort of wrap things up and, you know, close out this episode, uh, this is always something that I, you know, a lot of times you, you don't get an outsider's perspective because, like I said, mental health um, or depression rather um, can make you feel like you're isolated and you're alone in it. And so you often don't really get an outside opinion, you know, in terms of what others think of you, or what they're seeing with what you're going through. So now that I have Mark here, you know, I feel like a good question to ask would be like, you know, what have you observed in terms of my relationship with mental health over the years? Like, you know, from a, from a person, you know, from an outsider's perspective, you know, have you noticed anything that's been different about me over the years um, that you can sort of point to? Yeah, I think I'd leave it at that. Yeah, no, I think right now we're doing it. This podcast, you're doing it. Um, I think that uh, it took you to experience what you went through and just sort of self-acknowledging uh, uh, your struggles and growing from those. So you, you're doing it within this podcast. You're, you're, you're uh, becoming more aware, not only of yourself, but others 
can become aware of what you're, you know, trying to do here is to help others, um, in talking about, you know, the random stuff that we, you know, we talked about sports. Um, but then, you know, personally speaking, I think I've seen you, um, definitely grow throughout the years. Um, I've seen you at your highs, I've seen you at your lows, I've seen, uh, different transitions, whether it be on the golf course or just your personal life. Um, I've seen the different stages of, uh, of Rohan. Um, and, but the one thing that's inspiring to me is that, um, he, that you're not a quitter. So I think that's, uh, sort of inspired me, um, just as your friend to see, uh, from a different perspective that, um, you're able to sort of pick up the pieces you want to um, strengthen yourself. Uh, you want to grow. You want to be a better person uh, for yourself. Most importantly, I think that you, I think you care so much about other people that you were um, sort of neglecting y- yourself. So you weren't being selfish in a good way. And and I'm starting to see that now is that you're you're now focusing on you. And I think that's so key with anybody is that you come first, others come later. I have been in the same way. I, you know, spoke to Courtney, my wife about this, about just being such a, you know, I've always been, whether it be, you know, a new kid in middle school or, um, you know, a new employee, I've always been that person to be that, you know, that first friend that they have because I feel bad for them. But as long as you are being true to yourself, um, I think that's that's one thing that, you know, you and I have in common is that we care so much about other people that we sort of um, neglect ourselves. But I think uh, recently you and I have sort of turned that corner into, um, you know, we matter first. And then um, along the way, the people who are still in our lives, they're going to, you know, they're going to feel the benefits of that because we're just better to be around. I know that I've enjoyed your company uh, regardless. I mean, that's what friends are. You know, you go through the highs and lows, but I think as of late, I've seen you happier. Um, But then when it comes to the golf aspect of it too, um, you're starting to realize your talent is there. Um, and it's the mental aspect that you are sort of perfecting. I don't think you'll ever be perfect at it, but no. as well, it's but it's the that. process of trying to perfect what works best for you. And, um, you know, I wanted to ask that question for a reason. And I actually want you guys out there to do the same thing with your friends. The reason why is because we are the worst self-evaluators. Like, you know, you are the worst person to ask to evaluate your own self. You know, that's why you have other people evaluate you. And the reason that I asked Mark that is because, you know, for, for one, I learned some things about myself in, in, you know, just from him answering that question, because a lot of times when you're going through something, you might think that you're just spinning your wheels and you're not making improvements and you're just kind of like going backwards or maybe taking one step forward, two steps, two steps back kind of thing. But when you ask your friends or your family, you know, people that are around you and care about you and have seen you at your highs and your lows, you realize you know, just how much progress that you've made, even when you think you're not making progress. And so, you know, to have Mark say those things, you know, it helps me be easier on myself because it's like, oh, so someone does take note and someone does um, recognize that I am making improvements, even even when I think I'm not, you know, and so, and, and with Mark, it's it's been a matter of like, just watching him and Courtney grow over the years and just how, you know, how they've matured. 
I think it's been a model for me to follow, you know, like their like relationship as a couple is something that I definitely want uh, later on. You know, like whenever I find like my person, you know, I would say that like Mark and Courtney like are a, definitely a good model to, to follow, you know, just, you know, watching you from 14 years old um, to where you are now and how you've matured mentally over the years. Yeah. Um, that's been awesome to see, you know, like on on the golf course and off the golf course. No. I appreciate that, man. I really do. And I think that the one thing with, you know, Courtney and my relationship is that um, we it, it wasn't always, you know, uh, sunshine and daisies. We had to work uh, through some uh, interesting times. And I say interesting times is because we uh, were high school sweethearts. So we went through some of the awkward stages of life and maturity is together. what you yeah together. So and you said maturity is um, something that you've seen uh, either within yourself or, you know, our relationship. And that's the that's the key right there but yeah I, I think that you know I have a question for you is that you know within the past year um, and I'll, I'll sort of segment into this is uh, if you asked yourself last year would you be doing this podcast last year would you be able to be doing it as effectively last year because I know we talked about you doing this and the hype was there and I'm so glad we are at this point in episode four um, but would you see yourself last year doing a podcast man that's uh, that's a really good question and i would say it's not just one thing it's it's multiple factors you know like um i had this idea last year i know i knew i wanted to do a podcast but i wasn't sure what i wanted it to be about you know like obviously i knew i wanted to contribute to the field of mental health like i said earlier i know that i still do want to write a book um but that's later on but I had an idea for a podcast, you know, during COVID, we were just kind of sitting around with extra time and I told Mark, Hey, let's do something. And we, we weren't sure what we wanted to be about, you know, like sports, maybe, I mean, you saw how long we talked about sports, we could go on. Um, and then eventually I settled on mental health, but I just wasn't, I guess I just wasn't in the right place yet. You know, I just wasn't quite ready yet. I needed some things to, I guess, sort of happen or needed to heal from some things. Um, Cause you know, still going through, things like therapy and working on myself. And I feel like 2021 has been a rough year for me, like rougher than 2020, you know? And so I think it's just kind of like ironic that this is the year that I, that I picked to start the podcast because it hasn't been the easiest year. But at the same time, I think that's a testament to, to the journey is like, okay, maybe you're not, maybe things aren't going quite the way that you'd like them to like them to be going right now. But there's no right time to start it, you know? Um, it just, the moment felt, it, you know, the moment felt like, okay, you know, this is the time to do it. You know, it wasn't like, oh, let's wait for the perfect time. It's like, you know, nah, it's not going to happen. Just do it now. Yeah. Um, and I think eventually I just got off my ass and did it, yeah. you know? And um, I think everything happens when it's supposed to happen. Yeah. yeah and you mentioned, uh, I, I think you said time like four or five times within that. Um, and that's what it is. That's the key is like timing is all, all what it's about, what life's about. Everybody thinks that they need to do things or rush to things because, you know, t the, the time is ticking. Um, but you know, with mental health, uh, time is really, it is on your side. And that's actually a good way to close it. Cause it kind of harkens back to last week's episode on acceptance is, you know, there might be, there might be a lot of things in your life that you want to happen goals you have you know, that you have set that haven't, you know, quite come into fruition yet. But the thing to remember is that, like Mark was saying, give it time, you know, don't rush to compare yourselves to other people. Like, you know, 
this person has this, this person has that. You know, if you look at social media, you'd think everyone's rich and happy, right, and living their best lives. But we, we know the reality. We know that's not the case. Um, so be easy on yourself. You know, give yourself that time to, to, to heal, to accomplish your goals, to do whatever it is that you have set out to do. Um, and you'll find that over time, over time, uh, you'll find that you'll find that over time, um, when you're easier on yourself, um, things will happen easier for you, and um, that's kind of the message that I that I want to leave you with um, is just you know, be easy on yourself. You're not doing as bad as you think you are, um, and you know you're you're gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay, guys. I can't express how much fun this has been. I've been wanting Mark to get in here. Uh, for a while to so to finally have this come together and to have him you know here with me doing this this has been a lot of fun i hope you guys um had as much fun listening as we had doing this podcast um and this is not the last time he's going to be on the show trust me um we'll get him back in here as, as soon as we can we'll talk more sports we'll talk more mental health we'll talk you know current events whatever you want to talk about really um because like i said i have a wide range and so does he so that's it for me, guys. I'll see you next week. And uh, Mark, I will let you sign off. Sounds great. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, just like Rohan said, stick with it. And, uh, and you got this. <laughs> <laughs>